You're listening to the Earn That Body Podcast, episode number 325. Welcome to the Earn That Body Show with Kim Eagle. Kim is an award-winning personal trainer. She trains her clients all over the world online and is passionate about empowering people by getting fit and healthy. many questions for the Ask Me Anything podcast. We have a great one today. I'm going to cover topics that were asked by followers, everything from how I personally am navigating perimenopause to what are pre-post-run foods. Also a question about why is there such an upsurge about intermittent fasting, gut health, HIIT training, all the continuous glucose monitor information things out there. So many different topics like that. Why all of a sudden is this such a thing? We're going to talk about that. Also, when when do you know if your body is at the best it's going to be? Should you keep striving for more? Such a great question. What about empty nesting? How to navigate that? Best snacks to grab on the go and more. We're going to talk about all of that, but I want to make sure that you have all the information ready to go because we have the meal plan challenge starting September 11th. That just gives you about last final week to get registered because actually you're going to get access at the end of this week so that you can prep this weekend and be ready for day one on Monday. Do join join us. It's the meal plan challenge. It's 21 days. You're going to get an awesome brand new full meal plan for an entire week, but we're going to break it down over a 21 day period. So you are not overwhelmed with trying to create a brand new breakfast, lunch, and dinner every single day for seven days, which is completely overwhelming. No one can do it. And that's why a lot of meal plans fail. Not to mention, I want to give you tips, tricks, and templates for creating some of your own meal plans over these 21 days so that you can keep going with a healthy plan all the way through the holidays and more because let's face it team, once those holidays hit, everything goes back to being crazy again. So I kind of feel like fall, I say it all the time, it's New Year's for the moms especially, time to get back on track, try to get the eating dialed in, your workout scheduled back on track, and it's the perfect time to do it before the crazy holidays hit, which you're gonna blink your eyes and you know it's gonna be Halloween, Thanksgiving, and then Christmas, Hanukkah, and all that. So a lot coming up, but I know that if you do the meal plan challenge, it's really gonna help you get set up uh, to start fall season on the right foot. So go to earnthatbody.com. Right on top, there is a button. It says meal plan challenge. Join us. The first group will have a big private Facebook group, which is always awesome because it's so much community support to keep us all going and motivated. So we, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. I love whenever we have a new challenge. And now we're going to ask me anything right after this. And now it's time for the Eagle's Eye on Health. These are Kim's quick tips, latest health news, or piece of weekly inspiration. In today's Eagle Eye on Health, I wanted to just do a quick reintroduction because again, since fall season is upon us and that can sort of be a time when people are getting back on track, that means a lot of new followers sometimes follow the podcast. They're looking for ways uh, to get health information, fitness information, nutrition information, and this podcast is completely free. So it's wonderful. And one of the reasons that I do it 
is because I want to pay health forward. Now you might notice that I don't do ads and sponsorships and all that kind of annoying stuff that's on most podcasts, right? Usually I'm like forwarding, forwarding, forwarding through all the different podcast sponsorships and ads. It gets a little annoying and it's kind of crazy that like some of them have 20 plus minutes of advertisements when you take it all into account. Now, I don't do that because like I said, this is sort of my labor of love to help as many people as possible get health, fitness, and nutrition information completely for free. So it's sort of like my volunteer work that I do to try to help others. I'm not trying to make a buck on this. I'm just trying to pay health forward. Now I thought I'd do a little reintroduction because I now have over 300 podcast episodes, which means maybe when I did my original one and I was telling you who I am and what I'm all about was so long ago that you've never been able to catch back up. So just in uh, a few sentences or less, I wanna let you know that I am someone who comes from a background of pre-med in college. I was pre-med. I got my master's in arts and biology at UC Santa Barbara, and then I went and got my master's degree in Eastern medicine. And that is where a lot of the information that I spread today comes from because Eastern medicine was all about individuality, meaning if someone had an ulcer, we wouldn't just give everybody the same medicine. Instead, in Eastern medicine, we would look at what was going on in that individual, and there could be four to five different herbal medications, acupuncture prescriptions that we would use, different ways to treat the same thing, meaning an ulcer, but it could be caused by four different things in different people. So in Western medicine, they tend to give you one pill or one medication for everyone who has the same thing. In Eastern medicine, there was really this deep dive into the individual and treating their body specifically for what was going on versus just treating the symptom. And so that's where I got my start in really just becoming completely obsessed with the body, with health and the body, and even nutrition, especially because a large part of Eastern medicine is using food as medicine and making nutritional changes to also aid in fixing whatever it is you came in for. So if you came in for an ulcer, we would diagnose you, figure out where that maybe was stemming from, where you had deficiencies or excesses, and then we would look up a series of different foods that would benefit you. So that really sparked my interest in nutrition. Then I just happened to already be someone who loved to exercise. I loved the way it felt. I loved, you know, feeling great because there were definitely years in my life in college and before where I didn't exercise a lot and I had gained quite a bit of weight and I felt terrible. And I simply knew that I never wanted to go back to that feeling in my body, which was sometimes literally a feeling of pain in my body. Like if I went on a little weekend getaway to my sisters when I was in college, we would eat so much crap and we would drink obviously alcohol. And I would come back to college always just feeling like if I pushed on my skin, it literally hurt. And I knew it was because I had eaten bad. There was a ton of toxins in my system from the alcohol. I hadn't exercised. And I literally can feel that feeling in my body today sometimes. And I know I don't ever want to go back to that. So I don't actually have that anymore because I don't eat that way. But I can remember that feeling so well. And that's why I always tell my clients, embrace how this feels 
whether it's good or bad, because that embracing feeling will help you from either going back to old ways or embracing how good you feel makes you want to continue it and keep going. And that's what happened to me is I started really working on my nutrition and everything I was learning in Eastern medicine, starting to exercise regularly, starting to feel my best, lost weight, and my body just really transformed and I loved it. It wasn't because I did a fad diet because I already had tried every single fad diet just like most of you in my younger years and none of them worked. I was feeling great because I really took my health back. I took control of my health. It was very empowering for me. And eventually uh, I stopped practicing Eastern medicine, started Earn That Body, which has been an online program now for over 13 years, which is crazy. And so today I really help people with nutrition, with their fitness, uh, and I train people all over the world, all completely online and have hundreds of testimonials at this point. And really, I'm just very proud of the business and what I do because I'm not trying to sell you a supplement. I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm trying to educate you about how to be your healthiest self. And when I do that and I hold you accountable in some of these programs that I offer, it's helping people lose weight. But more importantly to me, it's helping them get healthy and feel their best. So that's a little bit about me and what I believe in. I believe in eating real food more than not. I don't expect anyone to be perfect in that. It doesn't mean I don't have the occasional Twizzler or Red Vine or even a Coke every now and then. We're going to talk about that later. Um, but I just believe that you need to eat home as much as you can. Not always, but as much as you can. Eat real food as much as you can. Avoid processed foods when you can. Uh, exercise in a way that benefits your body, doesn't beat down your body. And when you put all of that together, you truly live in your healthiest body. And so that is the way that I live my life. And I really do feel like I don't ask any of my clients to do anything that I don't do on a daily basis. So there you have it. That's a little bit about me. That's the Eagle's Eye on Health today, just giving you a little bit of that background. But normally Eagle's Eye on Health is some kind of news or education or inspiration about a particular health, fitness, or nutrition topic. Now we're getting back to Ask Me Anything. Every quarter or so, I like to put it out there that if you have a question you wanna ask me about myself or about yourself, so it's almost like completely free uh, advice if you had a question about your metabolism or what you're eating or anything like that. You could always submit that for the Ask Me Anything segment. Now, I got so many great questions this time. I was super excited. I love all the questions I get. And just so you know, you can always DM me on social media, send me a question, and I will put it on the list for next time. Now, I got so many great uh, ideas and questions that some of these are actually going to turn into their own podcast. So I just wanted to let you know, if you don't hear your question today, I have some upcoming episodes that are actually going to be from your questions specifically. All right, so I'm going to do an episode on glucose monitors. I'm going to do an episode on cholesterol as it pertains to menopause, coffee, and eggs. I'm going to do an episode on Pilates versus yoga as well. So lots of those are gonna be coming up as an actual episode. So if you asked those awesome questions, you're not gonna get the answer today, but make sure you subscribe to the Earn That Body podcast so you don't miss an episode because those are coming up. Let's get into the very first question of today. 
Joan has asked me, have you yet or are you currently navigating menopause? I'm beginning to see symptoms of perimenopause, which I understand can go on for a long time, but I'm curious your take on body changes paired with changes in your fitness journey to match it. All right, Joan, yes. So a lot of my followers are in the same age range as you, as me. I just turned 51 last week, and I would say, yes, I am in the perimenopause age. There, You could be in perimenopause for years. It could be one year, it could be six months, it could be five years. It's basically small little changes before you actually hit menopause. And I would say I'm in perimenopause right now. Now, when I turned 50, that's all of a sudden where my periods started to get a little crazy. I went from having a normal period every 28 days my entire life. I was like the most on track person you could ever be, um, which is different than my sister and my mom is they, they don't have a regular period. But I always did every 28 days until the day I turned 50. I think exactly to the day. And once I turned 50, basically, I went about 48 days once without having a period, then having like a day of a period, and then going 28 days, getting a period, and then having such a heavy period for like eight days. It was like so heavy. I'd never had a period that heavy in my life. Um, soaking through my clothes, not lovely, as many of you know. And then I would go another month without having a period. And then on the 40th day, I would get another dot. So that's been my year um, from 50 to 51. That's where I'm at. Uh, this last uh, menstrual cycle that I had was literally, I got a, a dot of a period, basically, not even enough to use a tampon. And um, that was like 40 days ago. So I'm definitely headed in that direction. I really don't have any other symptoms. I have had some hot flashes in years past and like literally once in the bluest moon, but I don't have any other perimenopause, menopause type symptoms, but many people do. A lot of people will get the hot flashes. They tell me that the hot flashes are so bad it completely soaks them through their clothes and they have to change their clothes and it can be really horrible. Um, there can be vaginal dryness also that can be definitely noticed with sacs. There's a lot of symptoms that can happen. Um, one of the topics that we talked, I talked about earlier that's coming up is that your cholesterol even goes up when you hit menopause, which is not a lovely side effect of menopause. So there's so many things that can happen and the body definitely does start to change. Now, I, Joan, unfortunately hit a mega injury when I turned 50. So at the same time I'm hitting perimenopause, I also got a very bad knee injury, which also then led to a glute injury. And so I have been at a commission on cardiovascular activity for like eight or nine months now. So to say that I have put on a couple pounds because of hormone changes, I, I can't really say because I've also completely gone from being a marathon runner to doing no cardiovascular activity. And I would think it's a little more of that than anything else. So I have put on two whole pounds. I, nothing that I care about, nothing that I'm worried about. I'm actually very proud of myself that I've been able to manage my nutrition with the fact that I cannot work out and burn generally I don't burn more than like 250 calories in a day. That's like a huge day for me if I can burn 250 calories. So the bodies do change in perimenopause, in menopause, a lot of women will start to see a little bit more of a layer around their midsection. 
very normal, and unfortunately, probably not a lot you can do about it. However, I am gonna tell you this. So for everybody in this stage who's kind of freaking out because it's like you look in the mirror. I don't know about you, but I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh my God, whose body is that? Like, when did this happen? Like, even I say it because I, I definitely see changes in my body. Um, if this is happening to you or you've had weight gain or you're struggling to lose weight, I don't want you to think that you should throw in the towel. I don't want you to accept and think, oh, well, I'm in menopause. This is the way it's, this is the way it is. I got to just accept. It's actually not true. I've worked with tons and tons and tons of menopause clients at this point, And I think I've gotten all of them to lose weight. The issue is that it takes a long time. The weight loss process is much slower, but it does in fact happen. And I've had some clients come to me and say, look, I hit menopause and I cannot shed a pound. I've done everything and I cannot. And then I put them on one of my programs and all of a sudden they start losing weight. Because the reality is when you try to lose weight on your own, you're just not as accountable. And so you do take extra bites and you do have extra cocktails and you do slack off more than you realize. And so me just being there to hold you accountable and dial things in definitely makes a huge impact for my menopause clients. The second thing is we do have to make some shifts in their macros typically. Um, so the body's changing, your hormones are changing. And so I don't necessarily keep women in menopause at the same macro level. We make adjustments slowly. First I see what's working, what isn't working, and then we make adjustments. So that, that can definitely help too. But again, I want the good news to be that I do help women in menopause lose weight. I don't want you to think that you can't lose weight once you hit menopause. I will tell you this, if you're in your 30s and you're in your 40s, you wanna stop weight gain as quickly as possible now. Because when you do get to your 50s and you are perimenopausal and you are menopausal, it is a hard, hard process. It is a slow, slow process. So if I can help you lose weight in your 30s and your 40s before you even get to menopause, your life is going to be much easier as an older person. And you're going to have less symptoms probably as you go through your changes of menopause. Like, I feel very confident and I can be wrong because again, I'm not in full-blown menopause right now, but I feel confident that I'm gonna go through without a lot of bad symptoms because I'm super fit, I'm super healthy, my nutrition is really dialed in, I'm not overweight, and I think that all of these things play a huge role in going through your changes without a lot of negative side effects and impacts. And that is what I've heard from a lot of people that I know, and I ask them this question all the time. If I have a friend who's super fit and super healthy and they've already gone through menopause, I ask them like, did you have a lot of symptoms? And typically what I'm hearing is the people who were super fit and super healthy, they go through the change without that much of a problem. People who are very overweight and very out of shape, I feel like those are the people who tell me their symptoms are pretty dramatic. So something to think about if you're in your 30s and your, 50, and your 40s, don't wait until you're in your 50s. Um, so that's everything, Joan. So your body is going to take on changes. My body has taken on changes. I would say, uh, I feel like I have a little more in the middle. Um, just, I feel like it's more skin and skin tone. 
Um, cellulite, like on the front of my legs that I never had before, just a little more jiggle basically all over my body. And it is what it is. Like, again, if I gain two pounds and that's all I gain within this time that I'm not able to do cardiovascular activity or during menopause, if I only gain two pounds, then I feel like I'm in good standing. And some of the shifts that are going to happen in my skin, totally normal. Like the skin gets a little more crepe-like. There's nothing we can do about it, ladies. So we can accept it and move on, or we can sulk about it every day. I feel like life is way too short to sulk about the fact that, yeah, I got some cellulite on my thighs now, and it is what it is. If my husband notices and he doesn't like it, that's his problem. (laughs) He doesn't even notice, I can tell you that. What a husband notices is they notice their wife's confidence and happiness. If their wife is always complaining about their body or being overweight, like that's what they don't like. But I think that truly a husband, what he does like, a confident woman who doesn't care as long as she's fit and healthy. Like I really don't think my husband is looking at my legs as much as I am looking at my legs and thinking anything. And let's face it, these husbands are all aging and their bodies are aging too, ladies. (laughs) Am I right? So you don't judge them and they don't judge us and that should be the way the relationship is. So take a load off and be okay with the fact that some things on your body are gonna change. Some things you can you can change yourself. Like I said, if you're not eating healthy and you're not exercising, then there are things that you can do. Some things you can't change. We're not going to be able to change the fact that our skin is going to change as we age and it's going to get more of that crepe-like or the cellulite, things like that. If we can't change it, we shouldn't worry about it and we need to have many other good things in our life to focus on than to worry about that. And I'm just going to put it out there. Maybe you just don't stare in the mirror at it as long right? (laughs) Just kind of like take a quick look and look away and move on with your day. Uh, I do want to just also match, you said like, is there a change in your fitness journey to match menopause? So I don't know that a lot has to change. It really depends what's going on with you. So if you're someone who's like, I can't lose weight, and I'm in menopause. Well, then I would say we need to look at your fitness journey and see what you are doing, and we probably have to shift something. Because at any time in your life, doesn't have to be menopause, but if what you're doing isn't working, then something needs to change. I do think that when we start going through menopause, um, there are a lot of changes in our body, and we might have to take cortisol levels down just a bit. So instead of doing so much, high intensity, hard work, heavy, heavy lifting, really a lot of speed work, a lot of, you know, everything is like we, there's so much intensity and exercise to burn more calories. I do feel that for a lot of people in menopause, we need to take that down a level, but I still believe you need to have cardiovascular activity. You need to do strength training two or three times a week. That is a given a must. You have to get your strength work in because your muscle mass is decreasing as you age. You need to have recovery days, active recovery days. So in some ways things change, Joan, but in some ways they don't. It's just, it's very individual. All right. Okay. Next up, um, Susan wanted to hear, she has a a list of things (laughs) that she talks about. She says, I'm interested to hear your take on the sudden upsurge just these past couple years on subjects like menopause, intermittent fasting, microbiome, gut health, macro counting, HIIT training, wearing glucose monitors, um, when you are into diabetic and aura rings and supplements. She feels like suddenly everything is all the rage and is sort of wondering why is this finally 
such such a talk like all the time these things and on all these platforms now susan you bring up a lot of good points like there is so much out there daily that things are being talked about and it's like how come our parents didn't have to deal with any of this back in the day well a lot of that is obviously because of the internet so yes things like social media and influencers who sadly have no um, business talking about half the health things that they should be talking about um, but they are and there's podcasts and there's so many ways to get your information now that that's one of the reasons that these things are all considered the rage or being talked about more than ever you even bring up things like um, vitamin D levels. Our parents and our grandparents, they were never concerned with their vitamin D levels, right? Well, that's also because science and research has come a long way. And that can become a pro or a con in our lives, in my opinion. So we now have such incredible research out there that we can test the body for way more things today than we could when our parents and grandparents were being tested and, and getting a yearly exam. And that it's a pro and a con because the more that we test, whether it's a blood test or an MRI or a CAT scan, but the more that we test, the more we're gonna find. And so it's not that our parents didn't have low levels of vitamin D potentially, but they didn't have the testing for it back then. Now, I have this like little gut feeling, and this is just like a personal opinion and a personal question, but sometimes I wonder, because I trust the human body so very much, and I, I look at the human body all the time and I'm like, don't you think it's amazing that like, you know, if you cut yourself, your body will create a scab and then that scab will heal and you don't have to tell it to do any of that. Or don't you think it's amazing, you guys, that the heart just beats continuously and that things are like clean through the liver and like all these amazing processes. I happen to think the body is amazing and I trust it so very much. So my point or my question is, how many things do you think we get in our body? Potentially even cancer but the body heals it itself all the time and we never even know we have it until we test for it. So what if, what if we all have cancer all the time but our body clears it 80% of the time and we just never tested for it so we didn't know? I mean, I think it's very possible that those things happen. The more we test, then all of a sudden we're like, oh, you have A, B, and C, now we need to treat A, B, and C. But sometimes I wonder like, should we give it a little time? Do you think that the body could heal itself? Now, obviously there are certain cancers that that is not an option for. Like the earlier detection, the better, and the faster you can start your treatment, the better. So I'm not telling anybody to sit back and not treat cancer or certain illnesses by any means. But uh, several years ago, I had um, thyroiditis and I was about to get surgery for my hip and they did some blood work and found out that my thyroid levels were off the charts, like way off the charts. They were very concerned. They canceled the surgery. They said, we will not put you under, under these conditions. You need to see an endocrinologist, like you need to get this figured out. Now I of course was freaking out because I'm the healthiest person and I'm like, why, why, are my, why is my thyroid so off? And the only thing I could think at that time was that I had been violently sick like a week before I had that blood work done, violently sick, like throwing up. Um, I had some kind of flu and it was like the worst I'd ever had in my life and it really took me out. 
So when I went to the first endocrinologist, she looked at all the blood work. She's like, you need to be on this medication, that medication, you know, your levels are so off. And I said, well, could this be because I was so sick? And she was like, I really don't think so. And that wasn't good enough for me. So I had a second opinion because I think that all people should feel like they're on the same page with their doctor. And if you don't, you should get a second opinion. So I got a second opinion. And when I asked him, do you think it could be from how sick I was? He said, absolutely. And he said, do you have any symptoms right now with these thyroid issues? And I said, I don't have one symptom. He said, okay, so let's do this. Let's go 30 days, see how you feel. If any symptoms come up, you notify me immediately and we're gonna keep testing your blood. He says, what normally happens with thyroiditis is that you are going to have this spike like you have, then it's gonna go the other way. So it goes from hyperactive thyroid to a hypoactive thyroid and then it levels out. He said, let's see if that happens for you. All we're gonna do is monitor your, your levels. So we did that for six months and just as he suspected, it went back to normal without having to go on a single medication because the body took care of itself. And so again, it's not gonna be always the case, but sometimes we take these tests. Had I not had blood work done for that surgery, um, I never would have known my thyroid levels were off. I had no symptoms and nothing would have come of it because I would have kept going. And again, it, it all resolved on its own. And sometimes I'm just saying, I wonder how often things would resolve on their own. So the lessons to be learned here are always question your doctors. Don't be afraid to never be afraid to get a second opinion and don't do something that doesn't feel right in your gut and do your research. All right. So Susan, in regard to everything you're saying, there is such a surge of information and it's continuous. The nutrition market is obviously a billion dollar market. So when something comes up like intermittent fasting, people want to make a buck on it and they're going to create a diet program and a this program and a that program for it. And it just becomes all the rage and it only takes one influencer or one Beyonce <laughs> to do it. And that it's even more the rage. Um, and so that's really, I think, what's going on with a lot of these things. Now, each individual thing, I mean, again, could be an entire episode on its own. I have done a podcast on intermittent fasting. If you're interested in that, definitely just search um, iTunes for it. We've talked about gut health and HIIT training and so many of those things. We do have a podcast coming up about the glucose monitors and some of those other topics, but definitely all good information to ask. Next question from Kim. How do we know when we've gotten to be as good as it's going to get? She says, I'm healthy according to my doctor, but I don't see any improvements working out body composition wise. I'm 55 and in menopause, and I just feel that I'm not getting any stronger or leaner. It doesn't matter what I do or eat. I do weights two to three times per week. She often doesn't earn that body live class. Good for you. Uh, she does cardio, which is usually walking or swimming. And she still feels that nothing is changing. So at what age should I just be happy at maintaining what I have? I guess my goal number is on the scale, but I would like to lose five to 10 pounds. It's a great question. Again, so many of us in our 50s right now trying to figure out the body that we have and where it should be and what we want. I would say this, 
there is going to be a point where, yeah, like there's probably only so much change that can be made. If you are healthy and the doctor thinks you're healthy and your blood work shows that you're healthy and your waist circumference is at a healthy place, so that's a whole other episode we could do, but some people feel like your weight should be determined um, not by your BMI, like are you obese based on BMI, but by your uh, waist circumference to height ratio. That's something that you can look up. If all those things are A, on track and you, you're super healthy, then there might come a point where you want to just like accept your body. However, if you do really have five to 10 pounds to lose and what you're doing in terms of healthy eating and exercise isn't working, it probably just means you need to change something in your diet, your nutrition, and your exercise. So it is not like you turn 55 and you have to accept the body that you've got at that time. I just don't think that. I think you can get stronger and I think you can get leaner, but you probably have to change something in order to do that. Now, as I said, a lot of people, as they get to that menopausal age, we have to shift their macros a little bit. So even though you're eating healthy and even though you, you do consistent exercise, my guess is we need to make a little shift in nutrition. Um, it's possible you're not eating enough and so your weight is plateaued. It's possible you're eating too much. And then again, I would definitely look at your macros to see where changes could be made and probably a shift in your workouts. But if you're not loving the way you feel at the five to 10 pounds over what your goal is, I think you should probably try something new because you should be happy and by no means should you gain five to 10 pounds just because you have aged. All right, next question from Jen. She wants to know how to navigate empty nesting. Now, not really a fitness question or a nutrition question, but you know what? I, I qualify it as an emotional health question. <laughs> and she knows me well um, and knows that I'm an empty nester. And Jen had a daughter that went to school with Charlie. And so she was already a partial empty nester, but now her son is going to college. So she's a complete empty nester. And I have to say, the way that you navigate it is by one, just being so happy if your kids have gone off to college and they're thriving and doing well. Like that in itself should make you very happy. I always said, if Charlie goes off to college and he's super happy, then I'm super happy. Like, is it sad sometimes? Do you miss them? Of course you do. But I also want you to realize you're now entering this other chapter in your life and it's pretty awesome. You get some independence back. You and your husband can do a lot more together without distraction and sports and so many things that the kids have that, that filled us with so much joy, which is wonderful. But now it's really a new chapter. And so I think it's how you look at it. So the way I want you to navigate it, Jen, is I want you to embrace it as a new chapter. And again, if your children are happy and they're doing well, then you should be super happy too. And then start embracing new things in your life. Like I got so into gardening, as you all know, that it is like a total focus of my independent life. And so now when Charlie's not here, when he's in college, I, I have this other hobby that I love to do. I look forward to doing it. And so I, I just, I really encourage you to find a hobby. It could be so many things. I don't recommend a hobby be exercise, everyone, just because if you ever get injured like me, you don't want to be out of a hobby. And there's only so much exercise you can do for so long. And it's really good to have a hobby that's not 
exercise related. But it's really important to have a hobby. And I don't care if it's crocheting or knitting or gardening or archery. Um, even, I don't consider archery an, a form of exercise. No offense to anyone. But, um, you know, things like that get a hobby because that also will take your mind off um, sometimes the quiet house. All right. Good luck, Jen. I know you'll do awesome. And come visit me because now we're not that far away from each other. <laughs> All right. Alex has a question. She wants to know what are the best and easiest grab-and-go snacks for people literally on the road all of the time, all day. So my grab-and-go snacks are pretty basic. Um, you know, I can't really tell you to like go get packaged food and processed food because I don't eat that and I don't think you should either. So when I am going to be on the road all day, um, I grab a bag of almonds and I pre-package the almonds in little Ziploc bags in a serving size so that I don't just sit there and bring an entire bag of almonds and then I would eat the entire bag in the car, right? So pre-package some almonds and I'll have like an almonds and an apple as a snack, um, depending on where you're gonna be, you could also have a banana and you could get those little packs of peanut butter that you could put on the banana. That's another good, easy grab snack. I always recommend if you're on the road all day or you're out all day, bring a little small cooler. I mean, you can get a very small cooler these days and you can get individual size yogurts, individual size cottage cheese. You can have slices of cheese in there or string cheese, again, with apples and bananas and fruit, grapes, pre-measured out in a little, you know, quantity size that is one serving. You could put hard boiled eggs in. The key is if you're someone who's on the road all day, you have to prep. You have to prep the night before. Get your cooler ready with all your snacks. Otherwise, you will end up eating fast food and you will end up at CVS eating a Snickers bar, which has happened to me many times. <laughs> Hope it makes you feel better. But if you let yourself get hungry, which is what happens to me, if I don't pack those snacks for the day and I let myself get hungry, I literally will see myself in a CVS and I am craving a Snickers bar because I need the fat, I need the sugar, and it happens. And I get so mad at myself because I sit there and I think, I tell my clients not to do this all the time, but I'm literally like shaking because I don't have enough uh, sugar in my blood and I know I'm not gonna be home for another hour and I have to eat something. And it, that's what happens if you don't prep. Now, protein bars, I mean, yes, they're a quick grab. I consider a protein bar a glorified candy bar. Is it better than a Snickers bar? Some are, some aren't, to be really honest. Um, so I'm not a big protein bar person, but obviously that is an option. I would just try to make sure that it doesn't have artificial sweeteners in it. Um, and if they bloat you, which you might not even realize that half the protein bars out there, if you feel bloated later and you have no idea why, it's usually a protein bar or protein powder. It could be that. Um, some of those yogurt smoothies that you can grab as well, they are loaded in sugar. So you just have to read the labels, you know, if it, if it looks like a good one. I don't eat that stuff, so I can't recommend one um, because, again, usually they are just way too high in sugar to be worth it. The little packs of turkeys and cheeses and nuts you asked about, um, you know, if it's a deli meat, it's going to be so high in sodium, all deli meat is. So a lot of those prepackaged turkeys... They're not super healthy. I mean, is it better than nothing? Yeah, once in a while, it's not gonna hurt you. Nuts are obviously good if they're not salted. Usually I say raw, but then pack them at home yourself. Um, a lot of these pre-packed ones, 
have some kind of salt on them and that's that's not ideal so water 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 when you are out there and you pack that cooler also bring a ton of water and just remember that having something is better than nothing so you don't end up with the snickers bar there you go alex you can do it girl all right katie she wants to know if i ever slip up now i don't totally understand what the question is do I ever slip up in what way? So I'm just gonna kind of go with it of all the places and areas I slip up in my life. <laughs> now, first of all, my friend Susan made a point on our page where this was asked that she did slip up once when she was teaching an ETB live class. I actually forgot, I think it was a triceps section, not an ab section, but I think I forgot to do triceps in one of my live classes and it woke me in the middle of the night because I realized we forgot to do it. And so the next day I had to film the triceps section and send it out to all my clients who missed it in that particular session. I actually think it was in our personal training group. Um, so sometimes I slip up, Katie, and I forget a muscle group. It doesn't happen very often though, young lady. Um, also sometimes I have more than three cocktails in a week. So generally I have one on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but sometimes I have one on Thursday too. So there, I'm just being honest. Sometimes I have one, but not always. I really feel like I have three drinks a week. I'm usually, I usually have one Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and I'm over it by Sunday. I don't have any, but sometimes I do. Sometimes, Katie, I have a cookie during the week. I know it's gonna shock y'all because I tell you to save the sweet treats for the weekend, but sometimes I slip up and it's okay. As long as it doesn't become every single day, right? Now, I rarely miss a workout. I, I really, I, I rarely miss a workout. So I'm not even, I can't really say I slip up in that department. Sometimes, Katie, I have a Coke. I'm very honest about this with people. I love Coke, actually love Pepsi more than anything. And I will not have it very often because it's so bad for you. I do not drink diet soda because that is even worse for you. And the taste is so horrific. I don't know how y'all do that because diet is the worst. But um, I do love a good Coke or Pepsi. I'll have it once every few months. I don't have it very often, but I could have it every day and I'd be super happy. And no, I don't think it's too sweet. I just absolutely love it. So it is a hard choice for me too, but it's a choice I make. Um, once in a while, Katie, I'll have artificial sweeteners in things like candy, you know? Um, I will have red vines, I will have Twizzlers, but not very often. So at a minimum, but sometimes I do slip up, by no means am I perfect. And as you know, Katie, I count very slow. All right, Kelly, you have a question. What do you do for 4 a.m. wake-ups if you've been kicked off HRT? So some people are start on hormone replacement therapy and then they can no longer take it. Um, hormone replacement therapy is definitely a topic of conversation, probably worth a podcast, but I don't really feel like it's my specialty, so it's hard for me to talk on it. But I've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately and um, some people, they just aren't recommending HRT like they used to for many reasons, and this particular woman, Kelly, was taken off of it for uh, several reasons, and so now she seems to be waking up at 4 a.m. What do you do? My sister asked me the same thing a couple months ago. She said, what do you do when all of a sudden you're awake in bed and you're just laying there? And I had a great response because this is what I do. Waking up at two, three, or four in the morning is annoying, and then you can't fall back to sleep. Now, the first thing you have to ask yourself is, do you have a lot on your mind? Is that why you're waking up? Now, obviously, hormone shifts will cause wake up sometimes. But even still, if you wake up and then you're thinking about the six things you have to do that morning or that day, 
it's sort of like, yeah, something woke you up, the hormones, but now you can't go back to sleep because you have all this on your mind. So the best thing to do is have a pen and paper at your bedside. And so if that's you and you're like thinking about all these things you have to do or something work-related, turn the light on, write down all those things, turn the light off and go back to bed. Usually if you write them down, you're not afraid you're gonna forget them and it's sort of like you can just put it away and that can really help. But what I do is I try to make it a positive experience, meaning, okay, I'm up at three in the morning and I cannot fall back to sleep. So this is a gift of time. How often do you get to lay here, lay down? I mean, you don't get to lay down all day long, right? during the day you're like hustling and bustling so you've been given a gift of time where you can work on something quiet called breath work now this may sound annoying but i literally do this and it's probably the best thing that can help you start doing breath work whenever this happens and consider it a gift of time that you've been given instead of being annoyed and angry and keep looking at the clock which just makes things so much worse i tell myself okay I have a gift of time right now, so I'm gonna work on breath work. I did a podcast on breath work. You can look up breath work. I encourage you to maybe come up with three different breathing exercises that you can do. So I like to do the breathing, I think they call it like box breathing, like count up, inhale up four counts, hold four counts, exhale four counts, hold four counts, repeating that several times. Um, I do Wim Hof breathing sometimes if my husband's not home because that one's a little noisier. Don't want to wake him. Um, sometimes I'll just inhale in for X amount of counts, exhale out for a longer amount of counts. Sometimes I'll just breathe in and out and I'll give myself, I'm going to count to 50 with controlled breathing. Usually by the time I get to like the third type of breath work, I start falling asleep. So you've given yourself the gift of breath work, which is so wonderful, relaxation, and it's probably one of the only things that's gonna help you get back to sleep. And when you start doing breath work, all of a sudden your mind is not thinking about those other things. Because when you do breath work, unlike meditation, meditation you're trying to like clear your mind, that's really hard for some people to do. They just can't clear their mind and that's when all the work things start coming back in. But when you do breath work, there's usually something involved like counting and breathing through the nose or breathing out the mouth or whatever it is, you're doing something that you have to concentrate on so it's almost like you don't have the ability to think of two things at once. So it takes all those things off your mind. So my sister was like, that is the most beautiful thing that you do. <laughs> that is so beautiful. My sister's very into meditation and breath work. So she was like so in awe of the fact that I try to make this a positive experience at three in the morning, because let's face it, it is happening to all of us, especially as we age. But Kelly, I hope that you can embrace it. Get like three different breath work exercises and then everybody, I just want us all to be together at three in the morning <laughs> and be positive about this gift you've been given of time and use it to do your breath work. All right, everybody, that's gonna cover it. That was a lot. If I didn't get to your question, I have put it on for next episode, the next time I do this. Or like I said, I have a bunch of podcast episodes coming out that I will get to some of the other topics then. If you have any questions for the next time I do this, certainly DM me or email me, kim at earnthatbody.com. I hope some of these um, questions and answers helped you as well because it's usually not just one person who has this problem. And I hope to see you in the meal plan challenge. Make sure 
sure you go to earnthatbody.com, get registered. And just remember for all my new followers as well that the Earn That Body podcast is here to bring you health, fitness, and nutrition information that you can put into play right away. For more information about Kim Eagle's online programs, go to earnthatbody.com or check out Earn That Body on all forms of social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube.